1: Welcome back to From Hostage to Hero. Sorry, Delamotte here, the attorney whisperer. Glad to be with you. How is your life going, my friends? My life is going amazing. I'm having the best year of my life. And as you may have heard me say before, that's because I decided that this year was going to be the best year of my life. And guess what? It is. That's how it works. That's how it works. You get to decide. That's a different podcast, however. So let's go to what we're talking about here, which is how to reverse the brain attack that jury selection creates for attorneys. Aha! So last time we talked about reversing the brain attack that jury selection creates for jurors, but as we've talked about in previous podcast episodes, it also creates a brain attack for you, does it not? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, if you're just coming in and you're listening to this one, you might want to go and listen to the one right before this first. Here's the basic gist Uh, We said that jurors are their brains are under attack because we specifically attack five factors that the brain views is either attack or reward depending on how we're working with it so those five things are status certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness okay that's the scarf model david rock your brain at work a neurological model okay we know we increase status we feel good we decrease someone's status or our status gets dec- decreased, we feel bad. That's the basic gist for all five of those factors. And as we talked about last time, w- jury selection absolutely decreases uh, all of those five factors in jurors' brains, right? They're, they don't have any status, They don't. they have the least amount of information in the room, so they have no certainty, they've been forced to come there, so they have no autonomy, they don't know anyone else, they have no relatedness, and finally, they find the whole process unfair. So we talked about how to reverse those five factors with jurors. But today, I'd like to talk about how to reverse those five factors with you. Because your brain is also under attack um, when it comes to jury selection and trial, and I talk about this in the book, by the way, if you haven't reviewed the book or if you haven't even bought the book, you can buy it from hostage2hero.com or trial guides. And please review it at trial guides. I'm trying to get 500 reviews this year. I don't think anything on trial guides has 500 reviews. I don't think any product. I'd like to be the first. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining our crowdsourcing program. Okay. So in the book, I talk about how you and jurors are very similar in the same boat because your brains are both under attack. So let's look at this. And again, I did talk about this in an early podcast episode, but I'm going over it again uh, because we've got some new listeners and I wanted to kind of add some new information as well. So in terms of status, we talked about how jurors don't have very high status, meaning that you know they've been forced to be there, they're corralled around, they're wearing that stupid sticker that says juror, the whole thing. But you also don't have status, do you? I mean, you're a plaintiff attorney ambulance chaser a shark right I mean in in the eyes of the world but particularly the jurors you're the problem with everything right now they don't get that you stand on the side of the right they don't get that you stand for the injured and the the wrongfully um, the people who've, who've died they don't get that okay but and my point is not to depress you. My point is to say that your status is also not high, right? If we agree on anything, we probably would agree on that. And so that's a brain attack for you. You know that walking into court. And that's why you've been told not to wear your Rolex watches and drive up in your Jaguars and, or I guess it would be Teslas now, or you know, do all the, you know, trial lawyer slimy things because we know what jurors think, So your status is also under attack uh, even before you walk into the courtroom. So in that way, your brain is under attack as well. And certainty. Do you have a lot of certainty as trial attorneys? No, you don't. I mean, let's just talk about how you should do this this being trial. I mean, do you have certainty? I mean, please do let me know if you do, because most trial attorneys I know do not. They're like, sorry, I don't know. Should I do the David Ball damages opening? Or should I do the rules of the road opening? Or should I just like wing it like Jerry Spence? Or should I do that whole Nick Rowley thing? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I mean, this is what I hear all the time. There's a lot of confusion around the quote unquote, right way to do this, this being trial opening statement, year, whatever. You don't have a lot of certainty, and that creates a brain attack for you as well. Autonomy. Do you have autonomy? I mean, yeah, you've not been forced to come there, although on a certain level you may have because they didn't settle or whatnot. But the real attack on your autonomy is that you don't get to decide the outcome. That's just out of your hands. So you don't get to decide the outcome, and that really creates an attack on your autonomy, and the brain views that as an attack relatedness. Well, the jurors don't know each other or anybody else. And you may know the judge or your opposing counsel, but you don't know the jurors. So that lack of relatedness, these are the very people that you're going to have to connect with and talk to and deal with. It's also present for you. Is it not? So this is a problem. This is a problem. Fairness. Talk about unfair. I mean, many of you most of you, let me put it that way, believe in our justice system. But let's be honest, there's a lot of unfairness going on. Things that are not allowed into trial, which we know they should have. Things that are kept out that we know should come in. Um, just the whole thing. You guys start behind the line. You do. The other side has more money and time and people and, and they, they can just bury you. Right? Most of you in your own firms and just trying to make it out there in the world. It's totally unfair. When we really think about it, it is totally unfair. So I say all of this to point out how you and jurors are in the same boat. Yes. But for today's episode, what I want to talk about is how to reverse this because I really believe that it's important that you walk into court and have this shit figured out before you stand in front of the jurors. And that's really under that whole premise of freeing yourself first. You know, hostages can't save other hostages. You've got to come in there as the leader that you are and show them the way. You cannot do that if you yourself have a brain that is under attack. If you yourself are in fight or flight and wondering what the hell you're doing and am I doing this right and I've got the right technique and these people hate me and you know all that stuff floating around in your brain, we got to get that handled before We get you out there in front of the jury. And in fact, when you come out and work with me, especially those of you who come and work with me one-on-one, you know we spend a lot of time on your mindset and changing your mind about jurors. And most of the people that work with me, I'd say 100% of the people that work with me one-on-one leave going, oh my gosh, I've learned so many skills. But the best thing is I think about this differently. This is totally different now. And that, in my mind, is a huge win. So how do we turn this around for you? Well, let's start with status. How do we increase your status? Well, it's actually much simpler than you think. And here's what it is. If you don't believe that you are great and amazing and deserve a seat at the table, then no one else will. That's really what what it comes down to. I don't tell y'all you're great just because I want to be nice. <laughs> I tell y'all you're great because I think you're great. First of all, you're out there. You're doing it. You're trying. You're attempting one of the hardest jobs on the planet. All right. But it doesn't matter what I tell you or what anyone else tells you. If you don't own that shit, why should the jurors? Why should the jurors believe anything differently than what you believe? You've got to walk in there with your head held high, believing in yourself, believing in your client, believing in your case. And that is going to exude to the jury. But if you walk in with, oh, they hate me, I'm a plaintiff attorney, that's what you're going to communicate because body language starts in the brain. You've heard me say it a million times. So how do you increase your status? You increase it in your own mind first and foremost. And then your status begins to increase with the jurors as you show them who you are. But if you don't believe that you're amazing, if you don't believe you're great, the jurors never will either. And this isn't about getting the jurors to like you. It's really not the point of trial. The point is they need to respect you. They need to respect that you are a truth teller. They need to respect that you're a good teacher. They need to respect that you're telling the story accurately. And you can't do any of those things well if you don't have confidence in yourself. And people always say, sorry, you just talk about confidence all the time. And I, I get it. I need to have confidence, but I don't. And I don't, know, I don't know how to get it. Listen, here's how you get it. You go out there and you continue to try. You go out there and you continue to risk. And you keep showing up for yourself regardless of what happens. And you keep telling yourself that if there's nothing else going for me, what I've got going for me is that I keep trying i keep experimenting i keep risking because with that your confidence damn well will grow it has to you're out there you're doing it that's what grows your confidence you yeah you're not going to grow your confidence when you sit in your house or in your office refusing to go to trial or do anything scary and going i'm just waiting till i feel confident that's not how that works You have to go out there and prove your confidence to yourself. You have to prove that you're okay when things don't go go right. You have to prove to yourself, I've got this handled regardless of how it goes down. That's when your confidence starts to grow. You've got to do things to get the confidence. It's not like something that someone just pours into your head someday. It doesn't work that way. So how do you increase certainty for yourself? Well, this is also an inside job. (laughs) trust your gut. I know that law school has trained your instincts out of you. And so has this trial consulting world. I mean, it's just like everybody feels they know the best way to do it. Everyone thinks they know better than you. And I'm just so tired of that shit. I mean, if there's one thing that I try to always work with my clients is they are the expert in their case and in their lives. My job is to assist them from the sidelines. Right? I know I get preachy and passionate. But if there's anything I'm preachy and passionate about, it's about that. It's about standing up for you, putting a stake in the ground and saying, you know and have wisdom. Use it. Trust it. Look, there is no perfect way. There's no perfect technique. There's no perfect method. It just doesn't exist. You've got to take all this stuff that's out there and incorporate it so it works for you and then trust yourself. That is what wins jurors, not techniques. Not tips and tricks. You, you're what wins jurors. Your confidence is what wins jurors over. So pick whatever it is the David Ball opening, the From Hero method, whatever, and trust your gut. That's how you turn that around for yourself. You just decide to be certain. I mean, I, I think that's one of the issues. People go, but I'm just waiting to feel certain. Fuck that shit. You get to decide this is what I'm doing and then get 100%, 100% beso- hundred uh, behind it. Instead of drowning in indecision all the way up to trial about which method should I use when opening, pick something and go with it and trust it and trust yourself. You've got this. Autonomy. How do you turn that around? You let go. You let go. You don't Continue to use winning or losing as the measure in which you judge yourself. You let that shit go. You redefine what it means to win. It's, it's going out there and fighting for your client. Period. End of story. That is a win, regardless of what the jury decides. That's your job. Your job is not to win. Your job is to fight. Period. So you let go. You know, I think of of Stephen Covey's circle of concern versus circle of control. I think he calls it circle of influence, but I like circle of control because two C's. So your circle of concern are things that you care about. Again, do we care about winning? Absolutely. We put that in the circle of concern. We also care about what people think about us sometimes. People care about that. Most of us care about that. We we care about the weather. We care, you know, there's all kinds of things we we're concerned about. Okay. But none of those things, what people think of us, the weather whether the jurors come in with a verdict in our favor are within our circle of control okay here's where your unhappiness lies is you get the circles wrong when you put all of those things in your circle of control and you think you have control over those things and then when you we find out you don't that creates pain and suffering for you when you put it in the right circle when you say that is outside of my circle of control, it's in my circle of concern, then your life gets easier because you start to focus on your circle of control. And when you do that, something kind of cool happens. Your circle of concern, you have more influence and you get better results because you're focusing on what you can control, not on what you can't. It's kind of like this backwards idea. But when you start getting... Out of what I can't control and what you can control, you can control more, if that makes any sense. So drop it. That's how you you reverse the brain attack of lack of autonomy. You just don't make it a thing. You, re, you redefine that for yourself. How do you reverse the attack on the brain of not knowing the jurors, the lack of relatedness? We're now an R. You go first, my friends. You go in there recognizing it's not your job to stand in front of the jury and beg and hope they like you that it's your job you're the host you're the dinner party host okay think of it that way it's your job to go in there and get these people talking and and chatting and 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 working with each other it has nothing to do with you it has to do with them and a good host makes sure that their clients or their <laughs> guests are comfortable and enjoying themselves. That's your job. When you get out of, oh, I got to go in there and get these people to like me and talk to me. No, I'm going in there and I'm going to create a situation in which these people feel comfortable to talk to each other and talk to me. That makes your experience change altogether. It puts the responsibility on you versus taking the power away from you and putting it in the jurors hands of whether they like you or not. No, you give to the jurors. You give them that. We're going to talk about that in the next podcast balancing the scales and fairness how do we deal with that little gem well you know there's a great Rick Friedman quote I'm not going to get it right right now but it's basically the gist of you know us complaining meaning us trial attorneys about the system being unfair is like firefighters you know complaining about the smoke when they go in to put out a fire it's just it's just the part of the game that we've signed up for it's it's if you go back and um I can't remember which one episode this is, but basically I, I, I thought about this concept when I read Mark Mason's um, article about, you know, asking what you want. There's a much better question, something like that. I can't remember the name of the article, but basically he, in the article, he's like, what flavor of shit sandwich do you want? Meaning instead of asking, what is it that I want? You have to ask yourself about the shadow side of what you want. Meaning if you want to be a rock star, which was his example, you also are going to have to want the late nights, the you know, schlepping your gear, the trying to get... Um gigs, the trying to keep all the band members from fighting. I mean, you got to want it all. You don't get to pick and choose. It's like being an entrepreneur. I love the freedom of it. I love the fact that I can create my own schedule and charge what I want. But I also have to accept the cash flow going up and down. I also have to accept, um, you know, the the fact that it's all on me, right? I can't just walk away from it. It all depends on me, right? I've got to accept and love all of that. And unfairness of the system and being you know 12 paces behind or whatever it may be is part of this job and something you have to accept. It's not something we can explain away. You have to embrace it fully. In fact, I think when you embrace it, when you say that's one of the reasons I'm in this work, kind of like the Rick Freeman quote, is because it is unfair. And my clients depend on people like me to help them navigate an unfair system Boy, doesn't that sharply bring it into view? It certainly does. Certainly does. That's what we're talking about, my friends. We're talking about reversing the brain attack that jury selection creates for you. Is that you decide... To own your greatness. You decide to trust your gut. You decide to let go of the outcome. You decide to go first when it comes to lack of relatedness. And you decide that yes, this is unfair, and that's exactly why you're fucking needed. Man, are you needed? That's how you reverse the brain attack so that you can go in there, confidently communicate with the jury, represent your client, and stand for what's right. We need you. We need you now more than ever. So please continue to work your mindset. I hope I'm convincing you over these podcasts how important it is to get your mind right before you walk into trial. All right, my friends, we'll talk soon.
0: That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sari Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.